0: Welcome to the Talon Project. Talon stands for Teaching and Learning Online Network. As we adjust to the new COVID-19 reality, Talon provides a platform for sharing and discussing resources and practices for remote education. You can learn more at taloncloud.ca. Enjoy this episode. Today I have with me Mm Qsum who runs the Education Burrito, exciting podcast series. I'm Sandra Becklin, and I'm gonna ask her to introduce herself um, a little bit more. She does more things than the Education Burrito, but that's probably the one she's best known for. Hi, Q. Hi,
1: thank you so much, Sandra. So. Um, yeah, so my name is Q Sum. I'm currently just started my second year of my PhD at the University of Westminster in London in the UK. Um, so my uh, PhD looks at um, the doctor's nutrition. So basically how healthy are our doctors when they're doing their, um, their shift work in the hospitals? So that's what I do in a nutshell um, in terms of my uh, day job as a researcher. Um, as Sandra also mentioned, I also, I've also recently started um, a brand new podcast called The Education Burrito. So for this podcast, we go around and try to unwrap the student engagements and the pedagogy approaches in higher education and just find out what people do um, in student engagement in, in this area. So I go around and try to find out a bit more about them and having a bit of fun at the same time. And so, yes, aside from doing my nutrition PhD, I'm very much, of an interest in student engagement and partnerships and involving other stuff or either a lot quite a few projects on the side as well which I think we might unwrap a bit in this um, in this chat today
0: and I think for listeners that's a big leap from nutrition up to student engagement so how come um, what is your interest <laughs> so, what is your link there? so how do you yeah. come to think about that topic more Yeah. So if I may
1: take you back to where it started, that might help a bit. So in my undergrad, um, uh, as a first year student, I was approached by the wonderful staff at the university and they started um, a new scheme called Students Co-Creator. Um, scheme, So it's like a student partnership scheme. So where students partner up with academics and we do something or we come up with a project that matters to us in terms of whether or not changing the curriculum or changing something in that um, institution that will enhance our university experience. So in my first year, um, this popped up and I thought, why not? Because as a first year student, you don't really know what's happening in the university. So yeah, I signed myself up um, as she would do. and. There, um, there I was doing my first project with the academics, and uh, for that project, we looked at uh, looked at the mobile technology. This was a, a few years back before technology was a thing. Um, so I looked at how to, um, the use of technology in our department back then, and looked at whether or not technology would be a would be beneficial in terms of embedding it in our curriculum. So that was um, the first project that I did. And then since, uh, since then I got involved in other projects. So I, we signed up kind of again the year after and a few more times. And it was just kind of through networking through those projects, I got to know about um, other students and, and staff from other institutions as well, not just at my institution and just networked my round and got to know a bit more about the race network, uh, which we have in the UK. Um, and just to Kind of the partnership aspect and student engagement became kind of part of what I do, uh, became part of my interests aside from my degree. Yes, nutrition is still kind of the bread and butter of what I do, uh, but kind of, but whilst at university it was kind of these sort of partnership projects, you know, the extracurricular activities that really got me to define who I am I guess, and just to see where my skills are or just get more experience in terms of understanding the, uni- uh, the university and more so the higher education system. And just to get to know other people, <laughs> I think, because sometimes um, in our course, nutrition was quite a small cohort compared to other sciences or other degrees. So there's so much you can know, uh, know about other people in the class and through this initiative i got to know other people you were doing architecture you know social sciences in the music department so it's kind of a way for me to find out what's happening in university i guess um but yeah since then i became part of me as well
0: would you say you know i know doc- doing a doctorate can be quite a lonely endeavor and i think especially these days during the pandemic I know the UK um, ad- um, went into a second lockdown. Would you say it's also something that's true to your heart, being still a student yourself and, and working on a quite an extensive piece? Would you say it's still um, related to that desire to also connect to others and, and adv- advocate for that, maybe somehow?
1: Yeah, it's a very interesting question and it's somewhat quite different, I think as an undergraduate, you are very clued up in terms of everything that's happening in your cohort um, or other cohorts in the undergraduate world. And then when I moved and did my master's as at in an, another at an university, I kind of, it's that kind of sense of belonging because you don't know where you fit. You're just at that university for that one year for your master course. So then I had to find myself trying to fit in, trying to figure out who's whom, and at the same time, try and do my master. And it come when I started my PhD, it's somewhat a different feeling, I guess. Perhaps well, I guess I, was, I can't say it was the first time because it is my first time doing PhD. <laughs> uh, so um well, maybe there's a second or
0: third one coming, so
1: we Oh I don't really know. I, I I to finish this one first. <laughs> but um yeah, it's a, it's a very different feeling because My class, first of all, I don't have a class as such right? Um, for for my PhD, it's like you and your PhD. So it's like this PhD and yourself, this project is with you for the next few years and you'll become really good friends or become a really good buddy to them. And even though when when I joined um, two years ago, so I'm my second year now, the cohort that I'm in at the moment is very small. So it's a reason smaller than my nutrition class um, when I was in my undergrad and and masters. So that is just, so I had to kind of, it was somewhat isolating at the start because my project was somewhat also um, quite different in the office. So I mean, the virtual background I have now is our office and it's it's a normal site because I'm in a science department and everyone's projects they have a, a lab to do you know, in terms of their project, so they would go all the way up into the labs and do it. But because my project looks at doctors' nutrition, I'm I'm doing it between psychology department departments well and uh, and life sciences. So my the, the definition for my lab is somewhat different. I don't do wet labs. I do. The opposite more like dry labs there's dry lab uh, so i do all everything's online everything's on the computer and i do it with people rather than self. and culture things wearing a white coat though i do miss wearing a white coat <laughs> because it does make you feel like a scientist um but yes it's it's so that's it's, in that sense i was very much um it's yeah it's isolating at uh, first, but then I got to know people um, through our uh, PhD society we have at our university. I started to connect with other students, um, surprisingly not scientists. So, for example, those in architecture, um, those doing humanities and music, and just other degrees that I kind of got to get to know. And then my that feeling of isolation was no longer an isolation. And plus, I still have the um, the student partnership scheme that I, I do. I I still, I, so I signed up again when I was a PhD student, when I started my PhD, just to find that connection, just to find that sense of belonging. And, and now coming down through lockdown and the second time of lockdown, I've been working at home since March. So it's a good, what, eight months now. And because I don't already know at the start, I didn't really have that much of a group or that feeling in my, in my department. It didn't really, there's no, I think the first time rate was quite somewhat interesting because I wasn't used to working for at home for quite a lot, even though I was quite isolated already in my own, um, in my, in the, in the department. Um, but lockdown was different because you then try to stay connected with other people, um, you know, stay connected with other people through online and technology and, yeah, we still have that PhD society. So we, we have catch ups then, which is quite nice. We run events over and I've seen during the lockdown, we have catch ups. We, um, we do, we do, what did we do? I think we had, um, kind of a quiz thing going on. So yes, yeah, a lot of things that, that's helps me to stay connected. Um, but yes, going back to your question, I know I may have, uh, <laughs> talked a lot, um, I think as a phd student during lockdown it's a different sense of um a sense of belonging and i try to stay motivated where possible it's difficult at times but i think i'm getting the hang of it
0: in short yeah. i think
1: to answer your question
0: <laughs> yeah and i think you also used the opportunity to to lounge an initiative so so you said you know the education burrito basically emerged out of that and so so you also said I assume, might not utilize the chance to, to, to do things I always love to do. Is that right?
1: Yes, yes. So uh, during lockdown, I um, started a new initi- initiative called the Education Burrito Podcast. So I was invited to do a podcast last year when someone else invited me onto theirs. And I kind of, that seed sort of sowed into my mind and I really want to keep on engaging in terms of the student Know, the student engagement aspects you know, and the partnership aspects. And I thought, why not actually go and find people and talk about what they do? Because I know that people love talking what they do and I thought, why not capture it in a podcast? So I did that and, um, yeah, launched it a few, I think a few months ago. And yeah, just to, just doing that on the side, just to keep my sanity going, I think, um, otherwise I'm kind of briefing in and briefing, my doctorates uh, research day and night. So, um, yeah, just to keep my motivation and just to stake in it and just to really keep up to date as to what's happening in the sector as well. Um, I mean, we can always go and listen or rather read the journals, but it's different when you're listening, comparing to reading an article that is like 12 pages long. So it's something different and something that tests my skills and experiences and something that I'm learning every time I'm doing it and. Yes, um, I always love to try new things and get involved um, if I have the time to do it. That is.
0: <laughs> so, so I would I would say from that I get you. Also say you know in a way that it's important to be active yourself. So so if you work on something and and especially if you work from home, and you say, or basically showcase to to us that following into interests and passions. um, even, you know, if they're not <laughs> seem obviously related in the first place and and start learning yourself. And, and as a, as I've seen, you've produced a few podcasts up to now and have already acquired quite a big follower group um, that's enthusiastic about it. So would you say to others that's worth doing? And if they are interested in, in launching something similar, what would you say, how should they go about it? Um, what would be first steps and what's important or what have you learned so far?
1: Hmm. I think being proactive is something that I would encourage people to do. Um, I remember when I was in my undergrad, uh, my undergraduate degree in my final year, I had the two words that was ingrained in my mind, uh, was that uh, graduate attributes. Uh, <laughs> I didn't hear much of it in my first few years of my degree, but my final year I was hearing it left, right, and center. You know, the two words, graduate attributes. And they were saying, you have to do this, 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 and this. Because I was at that at that time when I really wasn't sure what I wanted to do. I still don't, to be honest. Um, but it was those kind of talks, I, the, the, the conversations I had uh, with uh, people who are newly graduates or my academics who really stimulated my mind in terms of, being proactive in learning new things, because at the end of the day, everyone all comes out with the same degree. It's, it's what you do that sets you apart and with the competition in graduate jobs being so high, wherever you are, it's so difficult to get jobs. And in nutrition, we are such a niche subject. Um, there aren't many jobs going around Unlike doctors who, you know, you need doctors left, right and center and yeah so I kind of now when I'm thinking back is that being proactive is one thing but not being too proactive as well um if that makes sense I've learned that even though you you're very much passionate or active in what you want to do but you don't want to commit yourself too much to things because then you you won't have the energy to to do things so I've learned that I needed to I need to learn things that is beneficial for me um, been or rather also relevant to me because there's no point of learning new things that's not relevant um, as much as I would love to learn new things. But yes, being proactive and just to know what you want to do after your course really because a few years after my doctorate I kind of got an idea what I want to do um, but getting there isn't, isn't another matter of the question as well because. I don't know what will come up after my, my PhD, I don't know wh- where I'll be. I don't know what I'll be doing. Um, so it's quite difficult to know the future when you don't know the future. But because for example, in the pandemic now, we did we weren't, we didn't know that we we're going to have a pandemic this time last year. Right. And so much has changed and it's more about capturing the the now. I think I've learned to embrace the moments that you have with people and to embrace the moments that you really, you know, those moments that you really enjoy. And, but at the same time, to know what you want to do, yes, you might have an aspiration to get there um, you know, the aspiration for your job, but it's getting there, you know, is the how that's kind of on my mind all the time as well, in terms of what can we do to just, to get ourselves there um so go back to your question is yes being proactive but using the network that you have to help you being proactive and learn to embrace and just reflect on everything that you do
0: and i think there is a lot of wisdom in that <laughs> but also um <laughs> following up on that um, now that we're all at home online what would you say are good channels to be you know, connecting, networking, um, getting to know people? So I know you're reaching out for your podcast and I figured out you um, found ways to distribute podcasts, but would you say, is there other ways of you know, creating networks but also maybe maintaining networks?
1: Hmm. I think main- that's a good question. And I think maintaining network is the challenging part i think finding people is easy uh, but maintaining is a difficult part so for example um i have my own institution so i first of all would perhaps try to get con- I and mean, stay connected in terms of networking in terms of um just find out who's who in your my own university, figure out who's doing what actually, because that's always an interesting part. And if you get talking to people, I'm sure people love talking about their work as well, and get to find out what who are they connected to as well. Um, and so, for example, uh, I might be speaking to an academic who is doing um, a similar research that I'm doing, might not be directly related but it's somewhat transferable and i would then get uh, talking to them and they would direct me to to this network and that network and i think so for example the first one would be use your own existing network that you have at your institution the second one would be is to attend conferences and external seminars and events because that's how i got to know other people as well through through the um, Studios co-creator project, um, our staff for academics took us to conferences to present our projects. And that's how I got to know Ray, the Race Network, uh, but also being involved in those activities now and sitting on those committees. And um, so, yeah, go to conferences and then you get talking to people because you might see a program on the program. You might say, this speaker is quite interesting. And uh, interesting. Uh, so I would normally try where possible follow up. On that, but it's quite difficult because if they're a really good speaker, everyone tends to go to them. And so that's um, yeah. So the second one would be go to conferences, external events. And the third one is just to cold call people for well, cold, not cold calling people, but it's just more about just taking the courage and just to introduce yourself to people. Um, I would normally just say, as an aspiring student in, a, in this, you know, aspiring person in this, in this, um, in this field, I want to find out more in terms of, for example, uh, in the nutrition topics. Um, so I would yeah just go through that way. But I think using the existing network and branching out from there, because I'm sure people are so helpful these days; they will direct you to other people as well. And social media is a good way to connect with people, um, especially the weekly Wednesday chat, the hashtag LTHE chat. I could not, not mention them as well. Um, they are, you know, <laughs> lists of people who've got a wealth of experience in the system. So why not utilize those people when they're there? And I'm sure, yeah, people are all, all, again, very friendly in terms of connecting people with others. So three points I would be usually your institutions and your own networks, existing networks, go to external conferences and activities and connecting with people um, using social media channels.
0: That are good points and good advices. Um, Talon is also about tools, softwares, applications. Um, Is there, I would say, your three most used or maybe slight slash recommended um, online tools application softwares you would recommend to others um, students like yourself um, what would you say what are good tools maybe say to connect or the ones you are using to connect so you mentioned social media twitters um, are there others you join follow set up?
1: Yes. So there are a few things, a few tools that I've found quite useful. So for example, LinkedIn as well. I tend to get, um, well, I don't know about you, but after I've been to conferences, I would normally circle the people who I want to connect with because somehow I know that they'll they'll become very beneficial to, for example, my research. So if I'm looking for a collaborator in a project, they might. They, they, and that person fits, I would then go and search them up. Um, so LinkedIn is a very good place to connect with people. And through LinkedIn, I've connected with people who I've worked with as well and working with. So that's one. Uh, secondly, as we've mentioned in Twitter, it's a good way as well because, um, for example, the LTHE chat, you get to find out who's doing what. So, for example, this week, we were talking about scholarship for learning and teaching. I, myself, not very, wasn't not very familiar with that topic, but through that chat, I got to learn more about it and the people who are kind of the experts in that area. So that's another way in terms of connecting people. And finally, I think it was just to be the old fashioned ways, well, when we can actually to go to go up to people and just to to say hi and introduce yourself, I think. As a student, it is difficult. When you are a student and you want to connect with people at conferences um, because you you know that you might be that person trying to sit down in a corner, right, (laughs) with a a drink in your hand or a plate of food um, over lunch or break and you want to connect with other people during break times and it's difficult. I've been there but I've come up with a strategy of how to break down that barrier to have the courage and to go and introduce myself to people. So yes, my third point is to, to is, is those physical connections. I know it's difficult now, but actually now with everything online, for example, the conference is online, I found ways to connect with them. So um, let me give you an example. So I was in this um, webinar about um, something to do about research methods. And this webinar was hosted by a university in Australia. And I was up at a ridiculous time just to be at that webinar, knowing the time zones. But it was very helpful because during that um, webinar, um, they had this chat going and the speaker was asking if you want to connect with people, with other doctorate students, put your email address in that chat. So then obviously I thought, I've got nothing to lose and why not connect with other people, um, you know, other PhD students. So I did. And then about a week later, when the um, organiser of that webinar sent around the the notes and everything, they've included this list of names and email addresses. This was in a different email, of course, before GDPR. And then we got talking, and this group of students, um, and then we've organised a new group between us about procrastination (laughs) during our PhDs so now i'm part of this um of this group and despite our time zones despite where we are and actually some of them are from different countries as well around the world which is quite nice um but we all share the same common theme and share that same goal of what we're doing and we're all doing our phds uh so we've found, i found this group in terms of connecting with each other and to share experiences so actually going to conferences now or events online, is a good way to connect with people as well.
0: Um, I would say final question. So you hinted a little bit that you are having an idea of where you want to go in the future or what you may want to do. I'm not sure if you want to reveal it to, to us, but also um, where do you see, you know, we know what you're doctorate will be about, but where do you see your initiatives going? So you say, you know, you're involved in a lot of little projects, you just started the Education Burrito, Um, what are the plans with those, Um, keep them going, maybe they match with your future goals, which you haven't revealed so far, or your (laughs) dream job? Um, Can you give us a bit of insight there? So where, how does the future look like, in short? Yeah, so
1: I've been in education for nearly all my life now. <laughs> uh, well, plus or minus a few years doing working in industry, but I really like if opportunity arises, is to stay in academia, if possible. I think you know, being from my undergraduate to now and going through the masters and doing my PhD and being part of different initiatives, has just um, kind of opened my eyes to how I enjoy the student engagement aspect, and more so connecting with staff and students at university. And when I was doing my um, students co-creator project at university, it was that blurry line of that blurry feeling that I've got to find staff. I've got to find students to connect with me on this project. And it was through those projects which I kind of seen um, how the education system work. It might all seem very plain sailing in the foreground, that in the background, there's a lot of things going on. And I've been, I kind of feel like I've experienced both. And now uh, as I'm doing my PhD, I'm starting to supervise students. And it's a different feeling and it's a different experience. And and yes, I quite like to stay in academia if someone offers, <laughs> well, depends, depends, you know, depends on the opportunities, I can't say. But I think higher education is something that I would like to do and an initiative that I'm doing, I don't know, but maybe I'm hoping to continue with them where possible. Um, yes. So yeah, hoping success. So to your question is stay in academia if possible and connect and stay connected with people and to continue my initiatives as I progress through my career.
0: That sounds admirable but also worth doing and and um, truly found a home in academia it seems
1: (laughs) well i know the challenges that it brings (laughs) i know the challenges of finding a job as well Uh, so i can't really say but that's my aspiration
0: yeah that sounds good so but i know plenty of people who want to leave it as far as possible so so there we found one who want to stay and and i think that's that's really great to hear um thank you q for the interview and um, taking the time to speak to me and if you have any ways of how people can connect um can you mention those now i know you're on twitter
1: yes thank you sandra and yes people can reach me on my twitter account that's um at q um you can also find me on linkedin as well and the education podcast is on twitter as well so yeah just Happy to connect with people and get more conversations going.
0: Good. I have, but you have lots of people reaching out to you. And thanks for taking the time again. Bye.
1: Thank you so much for having me. This episode was produced by Talon. You can find the video of the interview and more at taloncloud.ca. The Talon project is funded by the Richard Parker Initiative. It is hosted at the School of Architecture, Planning and Landscape at the University of Calgary. Thank you for listening.